All right, Noah Cochran, welcome to the 307 Podcast, brother. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate you being on, my man. Hey, I'm just going to introduce you guys to Noah real quick. Noah, 20-year-old guy from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, I met Noah last weekend out at a 100-mile trail race called the Georgia Jewel. And so a little bit about Noah, he's got multiple podium finishes in his resume. Uh, He ran track all four years in high school. He's got a one-mile PR of uh, 4 minutes 39 seconds. He's got a 5K PR of 16 minutes and 53 seconds. And I think the most uh, the most impressive to me is this past weekend at the Georgia Jewel, it was Noah's first 100-mile race, and Noah won the whole race. He beat me by, like, over an I think he almost two beat hours. me by two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was second place. Noah was first place. And uh, I saw him one time the whole day through the race. Well, at the start line, I saw him, obviously. And then the only other time I saw him was coming in an aid station. And the rest of the time, he was so far ahead of me, I never saw him. So I came in second place. And and then we we met up at the finish line and had a little chat. And uh, I just had to get him on because not only is he an awesome, awesome runner, but he's 20 years old and he has like he's got that fire in his eyes. He's got so much focus um, and he, he, he's he's so disciplined. It, it, it just goes to show that age really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I think that we can all learn something from Noah. Absolutely. And uh, we're looking forward to see to, to digging in with you, brother, and seeing where all that comes from, man. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit on Mr. Noah Cochran, brother. So starting out, I want to talk a little bit about Georgia Jewel, man. Um, again, 100-mile race. This was your first 100-miler, right? Yes, sir. First place. I mean, that's unbelievable, that's man. And what was your time? Uh, they had me at 1959.15, right under 20 hours. That's, that's awesome. And I guess we should mention, too, that is he shattered the old course record for Georgia Jewel and Georgia Jewel is the longest running hundred mile race in Georgia. And Noah shot Noah shattered the course record by uh, nearly two hours. So just, uh, I mean, that's just one thing on top of the other. And he looked good doing the whole, <laughs> through the whole thing. I saw him a lot more than you. He yeah. came through those age stations like a race car. No doubt, brother. Well, Hey, what were your goals going into that race? Noah, man, me and my dad had talked a lot about it. Um, you know, it was my first one. So he kind of advised me, he was like, you know, it might be a good idea for your goal to just be to, just to finish, (laughs) but that's not really how I, how I operate. Um, I want to give my best and everything I can do and everything that I do. And I, I told him, I said, man, I think I can get the course record. And he was like, well, I believe it, but you know, are you sure you want to really go for that and commit to that? you know, and risk blowing up. And I just told him, yeah, I think I can, I think I can run under 18 hours. So that's what we kind of had said. And then, um, as the day went on, I just, I wanted to get under that course record and I I knew I could do it. So that was the plan going in and I was unbelievably fortunate to be able to do it. 
No doubt, brother. So you went in to to win. That that was that was your mindset. I like that a lot. And I I want to let you know I was also there to win that day. So I had the same mindset, but I didn't see you. I never saw you coming. Well, you know what's funny? We were at the um, uh, the Snake Creek Aid Station. I was talking to Paul and Jeff. Noah's dad was over there beside us, and I was talking to Paul about crewing you. And I, I can't remember. I said something. I said, but you know, Chad's here to win this thing, and you know, th- this will help him out. And I didn't know Jeff at the, at the time, and I bet I, was, I thought afterwards. I bet Jeff was thinking, yeah, Noah's here to win it too. This is gonna be a battle. <laughs> No, that, that's what I hope. I hope whenever I tow the line that everybody's there to win. I don't want it to just be me or just be, you know, a few people. I, I hope the whole field is filled with people that want to win and want to go hard and want to give their best. And that that's when it's fun. I agree, man. And I've always said that about every race that I do. And, and, and unless I'm doing a race with a group of friends that uh, maybe it'll be their first ultra or, or you know, they don't have quite the running background that I have. And they've kind of recruited me to run the race with them and just right. kind of get it with every race that I'm running by myself. I'm like, hey, man, this is a race. That's why they call it a race. I, I'm going to try to win uh, no matter what. And sometimes it works out. And sometimes it doesn't. But just to let you know, Noah, have you ever wondered what people were saying about you? Uh, you mean as the day went on yeah going through the aid stations and stuff do you ever wonder what man i wonder what people are saying about me uh, i mean i i guess i may have thought a little bit about that once i finished but definitely not as i was running i was just focused on <laughs> through but uh so many people have reached out to me it's been crazy and you know told me congratulations i guess i i guess they were thinking i was a fool or something but <laughs> So yeah, uh, I would when I would come come through the aid stations behind Noah, you know everybody would say yeah uh, he's he's running real fast, you know we don't think he's gonna be able to hold on to <laughs> that pace. This is his first one. Yeah, this is his first <laughs> race. He's he you know he's not experienced in this stuff and and of course I was thinking the same thing when you went off the start line, man. You were you had to have been laying down seven minute miles probably at a minimum. And, and I was chasing you, dude, and uh, I thought the same thing. I, I ended up having to back off, and I thought, there's no way this guy's going to hold this pace. But um, you did it, my man. Um, can you give us some – can you give us a high and a low during your race, man? Uh, yeah, that, there was – there were many, <laughs> as, as I think is typical, uh, you know, many of both. Um, I would say the, the biggest high other than finishing was, um, believe it or not, about 90 to 92 miles in something, something clicked. I was, you know, I ran, I felt like I ran a really good race through 70 and then about 70 to 90. It was starting to get dark. It was coming back. You know, you're 70 miles in. Um, legs were just not responding as well as I was hoping they would be in, in the late stages. But uh, I came up that last hill past the Stover Aid Station um, once you get onto the rock garden again. And something just – something happened in – maybe it was my mind or my body just came around and I 
I ran, I feel like I ran harder for the last eight, seven miles than I did in the whole, in the whole race. And I was running smooth, not tripping over any of the rocks. And it just felt like I was floating. My legs weren't beat up feeling anymore. It, it was a strange thing. I really don't know where it came from, but I think without that, I wouldn't have finished under 20 hours. And uh, the biggest low, uh, I would say, came at the Pocket Road aid station the second time around. It was about 75 miles. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, the, the Snake Creek. Mm-hmm. About, about 20 to go. I, I knew that was the last time that I was going to see my dad until the finish. And that, that, that's, you know, you have to really, you have to really be ready to commit to 20 miles without seeing, you know, cause he's my, my best friend and, uh, my biggest supporter. So I knew I wouldn't get any encouragement from him for till the end of the race. And I, I, that started to weigh on me. Um, but I got over it. <laughs> I just, you, you can't hold on to that stuff. You got to let it go. So, uh, one, I told him when I left Snake Creek, I said, I love you and I'll see you at the finish. And that was it. And that's awesome, brother. And how did the, uh, how did the, the darkness affect you, Noah? Uh, I've, I practiced, uh, I trained a lot. Well, I wouldn't say a whole lot, uh, but I, I trained, there were many runs where I'd get out and practice with the headlamp and the flashlight that I had. Um, the morning was, went better than expected from five till about seven when it started getting light. I ran, I wasn't tripping. I I could see well, I was, I felt pretty comfortable, but, uh, when it got dark again at night was, I think the legs just being so tired and mentally, getting tired it um it it wasn't it didn't go as smooth the second time it got dark but it really i felt like i handled it really well that's awesome brother yeah you obviously you did practice for it because you you never did slow down after dark i mean you you kept gaining on me the whole time um what what would be your biggest lesson learned from this being your first hundred whether you want to call it a lesson learned or, or a piece of wisdom that you could pass along to another runner that's potentially getting ready for their first hundred mile race. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt like the only reason I was able to run well at the finish like that for the last 10 or last, you know, the last half even was because of how I ate and how I, and how I took in calories. I, you know, I knew that was going to be huge going in because, you know, I don't know what you burn during a hundred miles, 10,000 calories, maybe I'm not even sure. So if you're not replacing that, you're just not going to be able to maintain any form of pace. So I was drinking calories. I was eating calories steady from, from as soon as we started. And I think I think that was the only way that I was able to get to the finish like I did. So definitely a strong nutrition plan and keep eating. I I couldn't agree anymore with that statement, man. That's so important. Yeah. And 
we're going to talk about your diet here in just a little bit because I've heard I've heard rumors about your diet. But first off, let's talk about how you train, brother. This is, uh, uh, you know, at, when we crossed the finish line, I asked you, you know, what did you do to prepare for this race? And you said, you know, well, a bunch of 100-mile weeks. And that's impressive. Not only does that take a ton of dedication, it takes a ton of time. I know I've been on a training regiment where I was running 100 mile weeks and it's it's a lot of dang work um but give us a little bit of specifics about how you train man and uh just just in your in your day-to-day week-to-week type stuff yeah I, i love getting this this question uh because it's it's so fun for me to talk about training because i'm i think i have a little bit of ocd i'm (laughs) i'm super obsessive over trying to make it as optimal as i can so i'm constantly tweaking things and and seeing how i respond to different things and um people people always ask me what is it what's a typical week look like and i tell them there is no such thing as a typical week i'm i'm constantly doing something different trying something new adjusting for this race backing down for this so um, that's one thing that I think is a key to my training, I would say is, is very varying, um, the distance, the, the, the mileage per week, everything I'm constantly varying and it, I think it helps me adapt to different stimulus. Um, but the main pillars of my training are, are pretty constant. I long runs are the absolute staple i most people recommend one long run a week two or three is more of what i think is optimal for races that are ultra um ultra marathons up to 100 miles long runs are super important um and what kind of distance are you what do you consider a long run distance wise or do you just do you look at time or distance or or what I typically go by distance with with pretty much everything. Uh, what would be long for me is is over twenty. Uh, over twenty miles would be I would consider long. Anything under that I could just consider a recovery run if it was also slow. Um, I do I do some back to back long runs, which I think is is a key to my training. Usually if I do back-to-back long runs, the first one will have some sort of intensity, like a hill repeat session in the middle. So I'll do a 20-mile run with the middle five uh, blasting some hills and then recovering back down and then going back up. And then the next day will be a low-intensity long run, um, but it'll still be long, still be time on my feet uh, getting out there for several hours. And doing that back-to-back builds in a lot of fatigue. I think you have to be really careful with that because um, it's easy to get an injury doing two things that are pretty hard on consecutive days. But I've been really, really blessed and fortunate to to stay healthy throughout all of this. Um, But I think part of that is how, how diligent I've been with listening to my body and being trying to be smart about it um but long runs and hill workouts are 
are absolutely key to me. But one thing that's a little unconventional that I also do is I maintain some sort of leg turnover speed workout every week as well. Even if I'm training for a hundred miles and some people think that sounds crazy to get on the track and do repeats uh, when you're training for a hundred miles. But I think it keeps my legs feeling good, feeling fresh, keeps my legs turning over quicker and it helps me get through the rest of my training whenever I still have a little bit of speed. Definitely, man. Yeah, that's something I, it's very similar. We were working on leg turnover the other day. It's, yeah. Especially coming downhill, I love working on that, that leg turnover coming down like a gradual downhill. We run a lot out here at Barry College. Um, don't know. Yeah, man, beautiful trails out there. So I'm hearing long runs, back-to-backs, the speed work yeah. one, one day a week then. So that's key. And then the rest, the rest of the days, are you talking about just medium distance runs, like 8, 6 to 10 miles, something like that, usually at like a slower intensity? Yeah, usually, usually there won't be intense days back to back. Usually, I take two uh, lower intensity days in between. I don't like to call them easy days because I, I just don't call them easy days. A lot of people do. Uh, just you know, every run has its purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting better on every day. You know, sometimes that means just getting out and going slow and recovering, but I don't like to call anything easy. Um, but yeah, easy days, recovery days, usually two in between my intensity, intense workouts. Um, but I run, I run every day. I don't ever take an, a complete off day. Um, an off day for me would be like six miles really slow. Um, just, I, I think, I think off days are fine, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But for me personally, it's better for me mentally and I think physically to get out and do something. You know, just no matter. I mean, two miles, just something to get to let to get the blood moving, to keep 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 the habits formed. (laughs) Something to make you sweat. Yep. Yeah, no doubt, brother. And that's I think that's one of the biggest things I try to tell uh, other people that are aspiring to run ultra is the consistency, the consistency of running, even if it's shorter distances, if you're doing it every single day instead of just three days a week that, like you said, it, it keeps I don't know. It it almost builds that muscle memory up. I don't know exactly what is so good about consistency. But, you know, training, running seven days a week, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's not it's not going to kill you. Um, and, and I think the consistency makes a huge difference uh, instead of just trying to cram that hundred mile week into five days. If you break it down and run every single day for seven days, that's where I find the most benefit, too, man. Absolutely. That's that, that if I had to say what what um one workout or one week of training led to uh, me, my improvement, I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to point to it. I'd be able to point to everything that I've done. The whole broad scope of training every day has, has contributed to it, the consistency. That's right, brother. That's right. And one thing I want to ask you, Noah, is about taper, man. What do you do to taper? 
that's always a, a question that comes up and everybody has their own spin on it. So what works for you? Um, well, this was, you know, like we said, my first hundred. So I've tapered uh, for plenty of shorter distance races with some success and some some not some I felt tired on race day but so this was completely new and I I did something a little bit different uh, than I would normally do just because I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to respond to running 100 miles and wanted to make sure I was super fresh um, so what I normally do if I'm just running a shorter road race or shorter trail race or something would be I don't back off the mileage a ton, not not as much as some people. I feel good running high mileage, and like you said, I think it goes back to that consistency that just keeps everything's turning over right. I've, I'm used to it. I'm this is how I'm supposed to feel. So I, if I was running 100 mile weeks and then having a, a road race coming up, I might back down uh, to 70. Uh, two weeks out and then the week of do 50 or 60 and then I'm ready to go. Uh, but for this, for, for this, I wanted to do less mileage just because I wanted to get as much of that fatigue, that cumulative fatigue that I had built up out. So I would feel good late in the race. So, uh, my biggest week was 150 miles. <laughs> Good gracious, man. That that's what I reached in the build up for this. And then week after that, I backed it down to sixty-five. And then the week of the race I did thirty. And when Saturday came, I my they felt good. They they were ready to go. Hundred fifty mile week solid, my man. Thirty's about my top week. <laughs> I tapered down about five. Good on you, man. That's awesome. You know, one thing that keeps coming to mind, so for the listeners, Noah is uh, currently majoring in math education at the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, Where do you find time to, to do this, Noah? I mean, what what you obviously don't make excuses. Get Drop a little knowledge on our head, brother. Drop a little, <laughs> drop a little truth on us. Yeah, time time is is hard. <laughs> Fitting things in is just not it's not easy when people have school and and jobs and and life. <laughs> um but I'm so fortunate to be given the opportunity to be able to do this. You know, my parents are unbelievably supportive. Um but really it comes down to I make time however I have to make it. Uh, recently I was going to school and working, uh, about 30 hours a week at, uh, my first job was at Walmart. Um, and that was, it, it was, it's pretty difficult, uh, to do it when you're going to school working, but people work way more than I do and can still find ways to train. So I just don't believe there's any excuses. Um, but when there's school working it around that, I just run whenever there's an opening. Um, so I don't ever run at the same time of day. Usually I always am running one day might be, uh, six in the morning. One day might be three o'clock in the evening. One day may be at noon. 
one day, maybe at five in the morning. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. They like to have a schedule that they can stick to, but sometimes you have to, you have to move things around to be able to fit in what you got to fit in. Um, so that, that's one thing I would suggest is, you know, if you have to get up at three in the morning to run, so be it. The only caveat with that is I'm a huge proponent of sleep. I think, I think sleep is critically important to absorbing the training and getting better. So I wouldn't recommend never getting any sleep <laughs> just to fit it in a run because you won't benefit from it doing that. Uh, but any way that you can fit it in, move things around just to get something in, you just have to do. It's not something that people love to do usually to move things around just to run, but it really comes down to how bad you want it. <laughs> Stay flexible. That's a, that's a huge thing with you. It sounds like stay flexible, get the run in when you can. Well, what goes along with staying flexible is always planning ahead. I'm, I've planned, I plan runs ahead a week or even a week and a half, two weeks in advance. <laughs> you know, I know what my schedule is going to be usually, and I things come up, but you know, I plan ahead to make sure that I'm not blindsided by something, you know, get to Friday and be like, Oh, I forgot I had this coming up. I, you know, I should have ran in the morning. I, now I can't get it in. No, I, I knew this was coming. I'm going to get up and do it when I fit it in when I have to. I love that brother. And and the word I was looking for that I got out of the first point was make it your priority. Oh yeah. And, and that comes back to the whole idea behind three of seven, the body, soul, and the spirit. You've got to make time to nurture that your body, which you're doing through your training, but you're also nurturing your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions yeah. by disciplining your body. And you're making those things a priority in your life. So being flexible, making it a priority, and also planning ahead. Those are freaking awesome points, Noah. <laughs> I love that, brother. I think that planning ahead prepares your mind for it too. You know, you got something, you can kind of play it, play it back how how it's going to work out. That's a big thing for me. Doing anything, if I can see it happen before I do it, I'm all I can always do better at it. Yep. And I a lot that. of people, when they get to, you know, it's easy to make an excuse when when something comes up. You know, people are busy, and like you have a family event on the weekend it's easy to be like, well, I couldn't run because I had to do this. Well, if you plan ahead, you could have maybe found time, you know? Yeah. So. Solid wisdom, my friend, solid wisdom. I want to dig into your diet real quick, Noah. This is, uh, this is huge, man. I, I've, like I said, I've heard a little rumors through the grapevine about your diet being, being really, I guess, good, but really strict at the same time. Talk to us about that how how you eat and the discipline that goes into that man yeah uh my my diet is kind of a hot topic <laughs> especially among my family they think i'm not <laughs> they don't they don't always understand why i do certain things and jeff but, was showing me your special peanut butter that you have yeah yeah <laughs> i got lots of special <laughs> items, i think but yeah i i First of all, I'll tell you why I'm so 
I guess you would say strict about my diet is because I think it matters. Uh, if you don't think that something matters, then you're not going to worry about making sure that it's optimal. But, but I believe that it's huge. <laughs> I believe that it makes a huge difference in how you feel and how you perform. So if something makes that big of a difference, then I want to optimize it. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing as well, trying to figure out the best things to eat, how to eat, when to eat. Basically, I don't prescribe to any certain certain diet. Like I know the ketogenic diet is really popular now. There's there's paleo. Some people are uh, high carb. Some people won't touch a carb. Um, I, I say I follow the, the Noah Cochran diet. <laughs> It, it's just what I think is as balanced as possible and works, works the best for me. Uh, so I guess the best place to start would be I don't – I'm trying to get away from processed food as much as possible. I want to eat as many whole foods as I possibly can. Uh, basically, if it comes in a package – that that's that's fine but it it needs to have no artificial colors or flavoring or anything like that that's that's poison for your body in my opinion yeah the packaged food that i do eat is like a lara bar the only ingredients are dates and almonds or something like that it's just whole foods um but i try to make sure that i balance vitamins and minerals as well as i can so I'm I'm a big proponent of of getting protein and iron and B vitamins from meat, and I'm a big proponent of getting vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin K from from vegetables um, like leafy greens and carrots, um, and I'm a big proponent of getting good carbohydrates and other and other vitamins from fruit like like bananas, oranges, uh, berries, and that's, and that's pretty much all I eat. Um, and a lot of people are like, that's really all you eat? That's, that's, that's all you can have? And I tell them, no, it's not all I can have. I can't eat anything. I just choose to not eat anything else. This is what I want to eat, and this is what I believe is going to help my performance the most. So That is awesome, dude. And, yeah you another thing about you know you are a race car man and a race car takes a specific type of fuel <laughs> and that's why i will probably never be as fast as you uh because i'm like an old 1994 toyota truck i can just keep going and keep going and i'm never gonna die but uh you are putting that race car fuel in a race car body and that's why you perform the way you perform man Give us just a quick for the listeners. Give us a quick breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That'll just that'll just give the listeners something practical that they can kind of base their you know diet, not necessarily whole diet off of this, but see what one day may look like. Yeah, that that's great. That's uh, I think that's a great way to do it is just show examples. So I wake up and I try to get a good high protein breakfast in. Uh, pretty quick. Uh, I'll, I pretty much have the same food almost every day. I, it's pretty boring. I eat pretty much the same thing every day. So this is pretty easy for me. I wake up and I make, um, 
oats and eggs. Uh, I scramble four eggs. I make about 300 calories worth of oatmeal. And I put in chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, almonds, and uh, one banana. And then I'll usually have some uh, a small amount of fruit with that, like blueberries or and an orange or something like that. And, and that's my breakfast. Um, and I drink nothing but water. So throughout the day, I drink at least about a gallon, depending on how much I sweat. Um, so that's pretty easy. I never drink anything but water. So, <laughs> but then I, I don't really ever snack a lot. It's usually just three pretty decent sized meals. Um, so that's, that's breakfast. And then lunch is usually, I, I don't, I don't eat bread, um, basically ever. I try not to eat any refined carbohydrates. So I'll basically make a sandwich without the bread, um, just like lettuce or some sort of leafy greens, a tomato or just any other vegetables. And then I'll throw on some, some meat, um, like lean turkey or chicken. I'll usually have another banana with some peanut butter. I love peanut butter. So I, I probably eat too much of that, but, uh, What's that? What's that brand that you use, Noah? I don't want to get you sidetracked, but what's that uh, brand of peanut butter that you like, and why do you like it? Just real quick. Uh, during the race, I had the little packets of it's Justin's peanut butter. Yep, yep, um, I know what it is. Yeah, the ingredients in it are peanuts and a little bit of oil to keep it from celebrate uh, separating. So that's that's all that's in it. Um, Perfect. I would honestly like just peanuts. <laughs> that's what I get when I get. Uh, normal peanut butter i go to earth fair and you can grind your own so it's literally just peanuts i usually i tell a lot of people in my family they're like oh i love peanut butter too and i'm like yeah well you like you like peanut but you like peanuts and salt and sugar and whatever else they put in it so <laughs> but yeah that that's usually what i have with lunch some some peanut butter and a banana and just some other pieces of fruit whatever is in season, you know, right now apples are getting good. But that, that that is a key though, is eating things that are in season. Seasonal mm-hmm. fruit, I think, is uh, usually packed with more nutrition and and it tastes better. So I just roll with what's in season. But uh, and then moving on to dinner, that's what varies the most. One like I'd say my favorite meal is steak fajitas. So Usually just uh, put a little olive oil in the pan and uh, cut up some, some steak and then throw in a bunch of onions and bell peppers and black beans on the side. And then that's that's a that's a good example of, of a dinner that so basically it's just no refined carbohydrates, as many whole foods as I can get, uh, very little processed, but but working on getting every vitamin and mineral that I can from food. I don't take any supplements because I believe if you eat uh, a complete nutritious diet, you don't, you don't need to get it from that. You know, there are exceptions. People that may have an underlying condition maybe that makes them deficient in something, you know, take advantage of, of a supplement that can help you help you overcome that. But someone that is, doesn't have that, you shouldn't be relying on a multivitamin to get what you need. You should get it from your diet, I believe. So, 
Yeah, that's solid yeah, advice, that's- Noah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, brother. I'll uh, I'll definitely be going back and listening to this yeah. and taking some notes for sure, my man. Yeah, I ain't gonna <laughs> say much. We got the we got the expert on here. I'm all ears. <laughs> all right, Noah. So the next thing that I want to talk about, man, this was something that I value a lot in other people and in myself is humility. So just to tell you guys a little bit about how humble Noah is. Not only did Noah finish first place at the Georgia Jewel, but he sat and waited for me at the finish line for nearly two hours. He waited for me to cross the finish line so he could tell me congratulations. And that made such a huge impact on me. And the conversation that we had at the finish line, it was nothing about Noah winning the race. He wanted to know how my race went. He never mentioned anything about coming in first, and he probably wouldn't have mentioned about uh, any of his past achievements if I wouldn't have specifically asked him about them. Brother, I'm just here to tell you, you standing by and waiting for me at the finish line and giving me a hug and telling me congratulations made a huge impact on me. And, uh, And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. I want to know about that humility, man, because it's such a rare thing in people in general, but especially elite athletes like you, Noah. Somebody, you are you are so uh, like you're the race car, man. You can you can win uh, in just about any arena when it comes to a foot race. In my opinion, I've seen you run. So tell me about that humility. How? How did you develop that mindset and how do you keep the pride of winning under control, if that makes any sense? No, it, it, it makes sense um, because, you know, I think whenever you are able to finish something like that or, or, or you finally reach a goal that you've been, been striving for for so long, you do have a, have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of pride. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, uh, with being proud of something that you've done, uh, necessarily. But basically I think what, what is an easy mistake to make is thinking that you've done something that other people should, I guess, congratulate you for. I don't really know how to word it, but I don't I don't feel like I've done anything up to this point in my life that would deserve anybody uh to to freak out or congratulate me for this or that. I've just I've just been doing what I love <laughs> and having as much fun as I can and doing my best. I don't you know, it's it's almost odd to me whenever people are like, Oh, you did so great, you you've done so good. I'm I'm like, I'm just I'm just enjoying myself. I don't, I don't really think I deserve anything, any sort of special recognition for this. And, and maybe, maybe that's what it comes down to. Just not building yourself up (laughs) too much whenever you've done something. I I really, I really don't know. I I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, just this huge humble guy, uh, but it's, it's certainly uh, great to hear someone else like you who I, already respect a great deal uh say that it's it's really it's humbling to hear that 
But I, I think part of like that attitude with me just comes from how I was raised. Uh, my my parents are both unbelievably humble, and I try to emulate my dad as as much as I can. You know, like I've I've said before, he he's my hero in life, uh, bar none. And so I think a lot of what what you see in me is a reflection of him. Uh, the good traits, at least. The bad traits are just what I've done on my own. But he's he's just an incredible incredible man, and I'm and I'm unbelie- unbelievably blessed to have him in my life. So involved, like he is, I don't take that for granted at all. Um, and I think I think that's a big part of it. Um, both of my parents' influence on me. What I like too was in the in his bio in your bio where you you know Chad was asking for some of your accomplishments and you said none of these accomplishments are mine alone. Everybody that helped me achieve them is a part of them, and I thought that that was really awesome. Really stood out a lot. Yeah, and that, and that's a good point to to help answer this question. I think I think one sense or one reason that uh, people can cannot show humility sometimes with their accomplishments is they start convincing themselves that they've done something on their own without any help. They have told themselves, I just did this. You know, it was me. And, and I just don't prescribe to that line of thinking. I've, I've never, I've never done anything truly on my own. Uh, I mean, I'm a very independent person. But it's just foolish to think that you can do anything completely by yourself without any help. Um, it's it's really not wise <laughs> to to undertake anything thinking that it's just you you haven't had any help along the way. So. And the fact that you've learned that at such a young age, Noah, is going to take you such a long ways man and and i learned that lesson in the seal teams obviously where we had to work as a platoon and you had to rely on your teammate because i couldn't accomplish the mission without my teammate beside me or in front of me or behind me and and i've carried that with me now throughout the rest of my life even in now into business with three of seven just like these these t-shirts that we have we just put them on the website today these t-shirts all all i had was a bunch of words in my head i had these mantras but it took a whole team yep. of experts to bring them alive and make them into the product that they are now i could have never turned them into to something as awesome as they are now so even in business, it's the same yeah. way. If you think that you're going to accomplish anything in and of yourself, you're in for a pretty rough ride. Yeah, and you've, you've already lost. You're probably not going to make it very far. Right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that lesson uh, with us, Noah. And thank you for the humility that you show, brother. Like I said, it made a tremendous impact on me. And I've been around the world and met no telling how many thousands of people and I could tell immediately when you and I met at the finish line that you were a special individual just by your actions, your body language, and your words, man. Yeah, when he finished the race, well, not when he finished, but when he got home, he said, we got to have Noah on the podcast. <laughs> that was one of the first things he told me. I said, right yeah. on. 
That's crazy to hear. Uh, you know, it's 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 just wild to think that I could have such an impact on, you know, on anybody. Um, but, you know, I hope you know that you did to me as well, uh, you know, an unbelievable amount, uh, particularly if you don't mind me sharing whenever we were about halfway through the race and doing some of the loops around Dry Creek. And I was going out for a lap and you were going out for a lap. And you were you were hyped up and uh, giving high fives, and you gave me a high five and told me to go get that record. And man, that you wouldn't believe what that uh, <laughs> boost that, that gave me. So that's awesome. I'll never forget that moment either. That was the first time I had seen you all day, and I looked up and I said, "Dang, there he is!" And I had to run over there and, and wrap my arm around you, man, because I was so freaking proud of you. I didn't even want to win at that point. After I saw how well you were doing and how you were just crushing it, I was like, I don't even want to win anymore. I want to see this guy win. He's crushing it, man. So, uh, no, nice, nice work, Noah. And last thing I want to talk about, brother, is so from this point forward, what are your future goals for racing? Yeah, that that's a great question. And going back to what I said about planning out training, uh, I've you know, I try not to look too far ahead as far as race plans go, just because I firmly believe in living in the moment. Uh, I think if you live too far in the past, it can eat you alive. And if you live too far in the future, you'll miss what's going on now. So I try to live as much in the moment. But having said that, if you don't plan ahead, life's going life doesn't stop. <laughs> it's going to keep keep moving along and you'll you'll miss some opportunities that you potentially could have could have took advantage of if you had planned for them so um i I typically think several months down the road at least just to get an idea of what i want to do and right now i don't have anything set in stone but as far as my next hundred goes i'm looking at in late march the lake martin hundred in uh, Alabama. I'm considering doing that one. Um, I'm considering doing the Cruel Jewel 100 that you've done and placed uh, top 10 in, I believe. I think you got eighth, which is unbelievable. <laughs> I would love to uh, love to go do that one in uh, May, I believe. And uh, but so immediately in three weeks, I'm doing uh, 50K. Um, the stump jump 50k in Chattanooga. Um, so that's my next my next trail race, and then beyond that, I'm gonna take some some time off from racing. I think I think that's probably a good idea um, to take a period where I'm not racing so much uh, because I do race a lot. Um, but then it'll be it'll be start training for a hundred again i really want to give it another shot that's awesome brother yeah. and if you want to do cruel jewel next may i'm i'm all in man you got me fired up cruel jewel is a heck of a race and it will test you down to the very core of your being man so if uh, if you decide to sign up for that you got to reach out to me because i've been kicking around the idea of doing it uh, may it. yeah i just mentioned it the other day so it's a great community too there at that yeah. race just good people and uh, some of the toughest 
course, some of the toughest course you're going to see on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. Really, really, in my opinion, in the nation. I mean, every race is has its particular things that are harder than other races. But I'd say Cruel Jewel's right up there with one of the hun- hardest 100-milers in the nation. So I'd love to see how you perform there. Um, I would love to put in a good training block myself and come there and compete against you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope, uh, I hope you know, no matter w- which one I decide to do, it's, uh, it's a competitive race filled with people that – people that want to give their best. Um, but I, I am really considering cruel jewel. Um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to see how I could do at this, at this race, uh, before I decided which one to do next, um, and see how my body responded and, and, and how I handled it. And, uh, I think I can, I think I can give it a go. I think I can, uh, things go right. Have a good day there as well. Even, you know, even though it's such a tough course, Um, yeah yeah no doubt you'll you'll definitely do very well on that terrain it's not too much different from what we saw at georgia jewel to be honest with you just just steeper climbs that's pretty much it but the terrain's about the same and then i liked what you said about taking a little time off from racing i think that is important um usually my off season is the summertime so this past summer i have not ran much at all i'd say i've probably averaged 15 to 20 miles a week and I don't do any races in the summer. And really what it's, it's just because of the heat. I would probably run more if the weather was better down here in the south. But it's just so hot and humid. You know, it's hard to, to run. You can still run in it. It's I'm not making an excuse, but I just feel like it's a good time to take off, to refocus my energy on maybe business or whatever else is in my life. And then I usually kick my racing up right around this time of year, September, October timeframe. So that's a, that's a solid point. Noah taking taking a little time off from that race. And, and then how about your future goals in life, man? I know you're, you're, you're looking, you're, you're currently in school. How much longer do you have? And what are you looking at doing, uh, for work after that? Um, I've got, I've got about two more years, hopefully. Um, hopefully is all it'll be. If I can, if I can, maintain the right amount of hours each semester um and keep getting good grades <laughs> i'm uh hopefully i'll graduate uh with a bachelor's degree in two years and then uh, i want to teach high school math is what i want to do um and as well as coach i'd like to my dad was my coach in high school uh cross country and he really showed me the impact that a good coach could have, even though he was my dad, you know, it was, he was a fantastic coach, uh, to, to me, but also I, I could see how he interacted with, with other, uh, my teammates as well. And it really made me want to get into coaching. So I want to, I want to be a teacher and, uh, and a coach whenever I graduate. That's awesome. Yeah. There's no, there's no better profession in my, mind than being a teacher and we definitely need guys like noah in that arena yeah you know put putting out good word and put putting off good information to the younger generation so you stay after that brother i know you're going to be successful there's no way that you can fail because of your mindset and because of the type of person that you are hey man last question i got for you i left i left this one for the end because it's kind of goofy but What's up with a shirt, bro? I had to, I was waiting. I was 
waiting for the end to ask that too. Tell me about the shirt, man. Hey, man, that's just my style. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I gotta tell. I will tell you. Uh, I don't think I've told anybody this. Uh, only my parents know. So this will be a good time to, to say. Uh, you know, you said it was a goofy question. Uh, this is kind of a goofy answer when you think about it. But when my uh, when my dad was asking what I wanted to race in, uh, I told him, I said, man, I don't just want to wear some uh, some regular old branded singlet. You know, I said, I don't want to, you know, all these brands that people wear, they flash them everywhere. It's just free advertising. I was like, just give me a Hanes T-shirt and let me run in that. And so he was like, well, that's not going to be very comfortable. So I said, well, here, let me have it. And I, I cut up on it and put some holes in it and uh, and made it a crop top level. And I said, now it'll feel good. So <laughs> Yeah, so when I first saw Noah at the start line, it was obviously it was dark. I think it was about five o'clock in the morning and Noah's standing there with his dad and I can see Noah's got the eye of the tiger man I look at him in his eyes and I think well this guy's gonna be pretty fast I didn't know how fast at the time but then I look below the neck and he's got this he's got this Hanes t-shirt on that looks like it just went through a meat grinder and then he's got these little little short shorts on that are in American flag pattern and I was like heck yeah man keeping it real brother yeah, I I know I look pretty goofy to most people, but it's just hey, it it it, uh, it works well for me. So, hey, I have a similar style. So at my first hundred mile race was Cruel Jewel. That was my first race, and I actually wore a cotton tank top that was a uh, screen pin screen printed on the front. Gangster rap made me do it, and I. <laughs> And just a, like an old pair of basketball shorts. And then uh, I ran a last man standing race a couple of months ago. And I ran that in a old uniform shirt that a friend of mine, a, a friend of mine, he's like 65 years old. He works at the local hospital and it's an old collared hospital button down shirt. And it says Reggie. It's got a name tag says Reggie on it. And it was just tripping people out <laughs> yeah. to no end, dude. So I love your style, man. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Hey, I would, everybody should be, be their self, man. I don't, I don't want to see anybody out there trying to be somebody else. So that's it, brother. Well, Noah, thank you so much for your time, my man. Um, this was an awesome interview. I have a good feeling that it's going to impact quite a few people and it's already impacted me yep. and Blake too. So if it doesn't impact anyone else, so what mission accomplished That's if no right. one else listens you did an awesome job my man no that was that was great i cannot wait to see you on the trail again my brother yeah i hope it's soon i hope it's soon and i'll uh we'll definitely need to stay in contact and talk about talk about what's next so will do noah thank you so much for your time and this is three of seven podcast we are out <laughs>